Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is Don Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Happy to be here on this Monday. We had a very busy weekend of sports. We have got a lot to cover on this show, but before I start this show, my thoughts and prayers out to the communities in Kentucky, especially in Mayfield, Kentucky, Tennessee, Arkansas, that were devastated by the tornadoes. I have friends up there, people I went to church with, the the churches, the communities are all devastated by that tornado, and I hope that they find some healing during this time. But we do have a good show. I'm going to talk about the Atlanta Falcons getting the victory over the Carolina Panthers. Don't look now, but they are 6-7. and Arthur Smith has got them in position to make the playoffs. Did you ever think in a rebuilding year that Arthur Smith would have them at 6-7? and getting ready to make the playoffs. And they got a huge playoff game. They got a huge game next week against the 49ers. I got all week to preview this game. And you know I will, because I'm a 49ers fan, living in Georgia. That's the perfect storm for the 49ers Falcons. Then we had some major upsets in college basketball. You had Baylor beating Villanova. You had Alabama beating Houston. And then we had probably one of the biggest upsets in UFC. I don't talk UFC that much on this show, but I'm going to get into that as well. So let's get started with the show. All right, let's talk about this Atlanta Falcons game because I watched it not from start to finish. I got the NFL Red Zone channel. I watched most of the game as much as I could and kept an eye on the game on my phone. I had my doubts. Even when the Atlanta Falcons had a 29-14 lead with the ball and the score projection said they had a 98% chance to win the ball game. Quadri Ellison fumbles the football. Carolina gets it back. Cam Newton gets benched. In comes P.J. Walker. He gets a quick touchdown to Robbie Anderson. And now it's 29-21. The Falcons don't make it easy. They never have a game where it is a blowout and Falcons fans can just be comfortable and relax and know that this game is in hand. And I actually thought the Falcons are going to be conservative. Carolina burn all their timeouts. And Carolina is going to get a shot to tie the game with a touchdown and a two-point conversion, down 29-21. to That was not the case. On a third and long, Matt Ryan with a bootleg screen pass to Kyle Pitts to pick up the first down. And they even had a third down. They made the Carolina Panthers burn their last timeout and the two-minute warning, and Matt Ryan with the quarterback sneak. And this was uncharacteristic by the Falcons. They did their job closing this game. So the Falcons are now 6-7, and seven, and Arthur Smith, I got to tell you, he's done a good job with what they have. They don't have their best receiver, Calvin Ridley. Russell Gage has stepped up. Kyle Pitts doing a great job. The run game with Cordell Patterson, he has been a surprise. But the big thing about this game was that the Falcons' defense stepped up. Dante Fowler got a big sack on Cam Newton. They took advantage of the turnovers. Cam Newton had an interception. Chubba Hubbard had a fumble. And the Falcons were able to capitalize. This game could have been a blowout. The Falcons were clearly the better team yesterday. and. 
the Carolina Panthers are in trouble after firing their offensive coordinator, Joe Brady. I just don't know if Matt Rule is going to survive if the Panthers don't ride the ship. Still without Sam Darnold, is he the answer at quarterback? P.J. Walker did have a nice drive to lead him back. The Panthers do have some good pieces. But the Falcons, if they do their job and let Matt Ryan get into a rhythm, I think the Falcons could beat anybody. I think they could beat the 49ers next week if the Falcons just get into a rhythm and do their job. If Matt Ryan has a clean pocket, the 49ers' secondary is their big weakness. The Falcons can pick apart that secondary. So next week, the stage is set between the 7-6 and six 49ers and the 6-7 and seven Atlanta Falcons trying to fight for that playoff spot. It's a crazy NFL. The bottom two, the last two playoff spots in the NFC are up for grabs. You have the Saints at 6-7, and seven, Vikings are 6-7, and seven, the Eagles are 6-7, and seven, the Falcons are 6-7, and seven, the 49ers are now 7-6, and six, they're in the driver's seat for the 6th seed in the playoffs, and they got a big game against the Atlanta Falcons. I have ties to both teams, I grew up a San Francisco 49ers fan. As many of you know, I lived in the San Francisco Bay Area pretty much all my life until I was 26, and I moved to Georgia in 2006. Lived in Memphis for a little bit, but I moved to Georgia in 2006, and I have a rooting interest with the Falcons. I want to see the Falcons do good because they are the local team, but now they're playing the San Francisco 49ers next week. I'm going to watch that game. The game's going to be on CBS. I'm just going to try to break down this game all week because you get a perspective from both sides. Me being a passionate 49ers fan, I know everything about the 49ers. I watch Falcons games every week. I'm also a fan of the Falcons. So you're going to get that perspective from the Atlanta Falcons. I will break down the history between these two teams. Kyle Shanahan faces his former team, the team he was the offensive coordinator for. And this is also a rematch of the 2013 NFC Championship game. I just wanted to throw that out there because I went to that game because I was such a huge 49ers fan and they won the game. But they were down 17 to nothing in that game. Speaking of the 49ers, how about that win in overtime over the Cincinnati Bengals 26 to 23? I tell you when the 49ers had a 20 to 6 lead and Joe Burrow throws two touchdown passes to Jamar Chase, one where the corner had one-on-one coverage, ties up the game. The 49ers kicker Robbie Gould misses a 47-yard field goal at the end of regulation that would have won the game. I was very skeptical that the 49ers were going to blow this game. I was going to get on the air the next day and say, Kyle Shanahan has blown yet another lead. But the resilience of Jimmy Garoppolo and what an amazing catch by George Kittle that put them in position to win the game. And then in overtime, Kittle had a huge third down catch. Brandon Ayuk with the touchdown. He got his feet inbounds. The football crosses the plane. And what an incredible win for the San Francisco 49ers, who are now 7-6, and six, and they hold the sixth seed. Now, this wasn't a perfect game. Jimmy Garoppolo was sacked five times. You know, the offensive line, they're going to have to worry about. Joe Burrow sacked five times, including a big sack by Nick Bosa that held the Cincinnati Bengals to kick a field goal because when they got the ball to start overtime, Cincinnati could have won it with a touchdown, and I thought that they could. Look, Cincinnati's a good football team. They came into this game 7-5. and five. They're now 7-6. and six. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase has got something special going on, but I felt with all the injuries and with Emmanuel Mosley out, Ambry Thomas got the start. The rookie made some mistakes, but he held his own against one of the top rookie wide receivers. It was good to have Fred Warner back, but Nick Bosa had some big sacks. 
and the 49ers difference after losing to the Seahawks last week. Having Debo Samuel back in the lineup makes all the difference, as Debo Samuel has been a key weapon for the 49ers. And I think the Niners had a very good win. You know, I love having the NFL red zone. We had two games in the afternoon window going to overtime, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win it in walk-off fashion by beating the Buffalo Bills 33-27 as Brashard Perryman got a 58-yard pass from Tom Brady to win it in overtime. Buffalo was down 24-3 in this game, and they had a shot with the ball down 27-24 that came all the way back and had a shot to win this game. But they kick a field goal. Buffalo does get the ball to start overtime, but they can't get anything out of it. This team that many people thought were going to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl has lost two straight, three out of the last four, and they are in trouble. Although they do play the Carolina Panthers next week, and after that, they have to go to Foxborough to play the Patriots. They could still make the playoffs because they do have an easy schedule. They close the regular season with the Atlanta Falcons, and the New York Jets. But right now, the Los Angeles Chargers fortified their playoff position by getting a convincing win over the New York football giants, 37-21. to The Chargers are now 8-5, and and they hold the fifth seed. So if the regular season ended today, they would take on the Baltimore Ravens, who are struggling right now, but they're 1-3 in the division. Buffalo is still in the playoff race, but you have a five-way tie for the last two positions. Indianapolis, Buffalo, Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Denver are all 7-6, and six, followed by the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are 6-6-1, six, six, and one. the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Miami Dolphins, both 6-7. and seven. And we have three teams that are eliminated from playoff contention. I love December football in the NFL because all the teams that are still in contention, and you have that extra wild card game. It was a very emotional tribute for the Denver Broncos as they beat the Detroit Lions 30 38 to 10. They paid tribute to their fallen former teammate, Demarius Thomas, who died over the weekend at the age of 33. Demarius Thomas was a four-time Pro Bowler, and he wore number 88 for the Denver Broncos, won a Super Bowl with them, caught the game-winning postseason touchdown from Tim Tebow to beat the Steelers. He had so many memories, and they honored him by lining up 10 men on the field. And it had to have been very tough for the Broncos to take the field after losing their fallen teammate. And Demarius Thomas was a local guy, played his college football at Georgia Tech. He was part of that incredible team from 2009. So the Broncos do get the win, and they're 7-6. and six. They will take on the Cincinnati Bengals next week. Both teams 7-6. and six. The winner just gets closer to the playoffs. Looking around at the other scores in the NFL. Boy, the Cowboys... They win the game, but they didn't make it easy as they beat the Washington football team. The Washington football team is now six and seven on the season, and they're now nine and four. You know, they're trying to take control of this division so they can get a home playoff game. The Seattle Seahawks beat the Houston Texans. No problem with the lowly Texans. And the Seahawks are five and eight. I know it's going to be tough to try to claw their way back into the playoff contention, but they can do it. They just have some tough games against the Rams. They got a tough game against the Cardinals. I think their season is done, but they have shown something. That Cleveland Browns-Baltimore Ravens game, Lamar Jackson left that game early with an ankle injury. The Browns were up 24-3. to And then Tyler Hundley led the Ravens all the way back and scored with about a minute to go. The Ravens recover an onside kick, and they have a shot to get in the field goal range 
kick the field goal and win this game. Cleveland holds on and they get the 24-22 victory and it was a very much needed win for the Browns. They had a bye. The team they faced before the bye was the Baltimore Ravens. Their offense could not get going. Baker Mayfield, obviously he's hobbling. They're trying to get him healthy and this Browns team who plays the Steelers next week is still trying to fight for their playoff lives. I think all their games are winnable. Even that game against Green Bay, I think physically they match up with the Green Bay Packers. The Baltimore Ravens, they don't make it easy on themselves. They'll take on the Packers next week. And they got the Rams, too. They got the Bengals. They got the Steelers. They got a very tough schedule the rest of the way. And we do not know the status of Lamar Jackson. So I will keep an eye on that. The Tennessee Titans had no problem against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They share the best record in the AFC with the New England Patriots. They are now 9-4. and four. They'll take on the Steelers next week. And then in two weeks, a Thursday night game between the Tennessee Titans and the San Francisco 49ers. I am scheduled to be a guest on the podcast Tennessee Titans Talk. I will break down everything 49ers because they want to hear my input on the 49ers in that matchup. And that is going to be a big matchup for playoff implications as well. The Kansas City Chiefs felt disrespected after the Raiders went to the 50-yard line on their logo. The Chiefs get the win 48-9. It wasn't even close. I kind of feel like Patrick Mahomes is just making it look easy. The Chiefs are 9-4, and and they have won six straight, and they are now the favorites, in my opinion. I think they're the favorites to reach the Super Bowl for the third straight year. In their way is the Titans that beat them, the Patriots. The Patriots always seem to have the Chiefs number. So they do have the Los Angeles Chargers on Thursday night, and that is in SoFi Stadium. So looking at the rest of the schedule, the Chiefs can run the table and get a good position in the playoffs. And right now, they are the hottest team in the AFC. Patrick Mahomes just has weapons. Their defense stepped up with Tyron Matthew recovering a fumble. You have Frank Clark and Chris Jones, great pass rushers. And the Kansas City Chiefs do what they do best. They let Patrick Mahomes play his game. I saw a play where he had a third and 12, and he rolled out of the pocket and just bombed it to Tyreek Hill. He got enough time to get Tyreek Hill open. And that's just what Patrick Mahomes does. So that's going to be a good game Thursday night when the Chiefs play the Los Angeles Chargers. The Saints are back to their winning ways, and they snap a five-game losing streak, and they beat the lowly Jets 30-9 to get back to 6-7, tied with the Atlanta Falcons, and in contention for that final playoff spot is going to be exciting. They do play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday Night Football next week. It's going to be a tough game, but the Saints seem to own Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in the regular season. Taysom Hill iced the game. Welcome back, Alvin Kamara. He had 27 carries, 120 yards, and a touchdown, and And the Jets really had no answer. Zach Wilson was struggling. He was throwing 42 passes. He didn't run the ball that much. I mean, when you take away the ground game, it's over because the Saints secondary can just pin back and allow Zach Wilson, who's not all that accurate, to throw the ball 42 times for less than a 50% completion. They only had 78 yards rushing, but they did not really capitalize when this game was close. So Sunday night football, Aaron Rodgers gets the come from behind victory over the Chicago Bears 45-30. Had some first. We had the first punt return in the NFL this year. The Bears did take the 24-14 lead. Justin Fields actually looked pretty good in the beginning, but it was too much Aaron Rodgers in the second half. They actually own the tiebreaker against the Arizona Cardinals. So if the Cardinals were to lose, then Green Bay would get the number one seed. As of right now, the Green Bay Packers are 10-3 and on the year. Looking at the remaining schedule, because... It's very important to know that Green Bay is one of the favorites to reach the Super Bowl for the NFC. They got the Baltimore Ravens, 
We don't know the status of Lamar Jackson. They got the Cleveland Browns on Christmas. Well, that's going to be a fun Christmas game. When was the last time you saw an NFL game on Christmas? That's pretty awesome. You got the Minnesota Vikings taking on the Green Bay Packers on on January the 2nd on Sunday night. And then the Packers close out the season against the Detroit Lions. So the Packers look like they are juxting for position to possibly get that number one seed. All right, on this show, I want to talk about the Army-Navy game because that was a great game. And in my mind, they're both winners. It is great. As a member of the military, I'm in the Army, been in the Army since 2002. I'm kind of curious why this is not a bigger deal amongst the service members. I was deployed in 2004 to Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, and it was on a naval base and a lot of bragging rights. They had an Army-Navy flag football game between the members of the base the day before the Army-Navy game. Even though this rivalry, you cannot look at the records and say, oh, Army should win because they're 8-3 and three, and Navy was 3-8. and eight. Navy played their hearts out. They controlled the game in the second half. Army had a 13-7 lead, and Navy put up 10 unanswered points, and it seemed like they controlled the time of possession so much, Army only had 12 yards on their first two possessions of the second half. And even though Army's going to a bowl game, Navy gets a good win, and I think that Navy was a good football team. They had four close losses this year, including to the number four team in the country, the Cincinnati Bearcats, that's going to the college football playoff. Looking at uh, some of the other football scores, congratulations to Valdosta State for making it to the NCAA Division II championship game by defeating Colorado Mines 34-31. to They will take on the undefeated Ferris State, Ferris State, Won their game 55-7 to over Shepard. And Valdosta State, 12-1 and on the season. One of those teams that they are committed to winning. In fact, a couple of years ago, ESPN dubbed Valdosta, the city, as Titletown because of all their high school championships. And they won some NCAA Division II championships at Valdosta State. So it is nice to see Valdosta State back in the NCAA Division II championship. We did have some high school championships over the weekend. Congratulations to Warner Robbins for winning the 6A. Congratulations to Collins Hill for winning the 7A. The Carver Tigers, locally here in Columbus, had a valiant effort against Benedictine out of Savannah, but they fell short 35-28. to A very good season for the Carver Tigers. It was great that they were in the state championship, and so better luck next year. Hopefully... They got some players returning, so they're looking to have a good season next year. I tell you, I had a busy week. High school basketball was just all over the valley. Troop County beating Heard County. You had Russell County beating Smith Station 60-53 to in overtime. And the Russell County Warriors are 6-3 and on the season. This was a very important game because Smith Station was coming into this game at 9-1. and They lose the game, and Russell County will have their first region game on Tuesday night as they will take on the Bulldogs of Oklahoma. I don't normally talk UFC on this show, but did we witness the greatest UFC upset of all time? As Juliana Pena defeated Amanda Nunez. Now, Nunez had not lose since 2014, and Juliana Pena wins in the second round by submission. Probably the greatest upset in UFC. I mean, you can get technical. I think Holly Holm beating Ronda Rousey was a big upset. I just thought that was pretty cool. I don't normally talk UFC on this show. So the Columbus River Dragons played over the weekend a two-game series at the Columbus Civic Center. 
and they won both games against the Beanhamton Black Bears. Friday night's game was crazy. They were down by three goals, and they came back, and they won 7-5. to five. And then on Saturday, they won 10-3. to three. So the River Dragons are now 7-5-1 and one on the season. The next home game will be this Saturday on the 18th. So come on out to the Civic Center. The Civic Center is going to be busy this year. The Columbus Rapids will have their first home contest on the 30th of December when they take on the Fayetteville Fury. Their first game is actually, their first game is December 26th. They take on the Memphis Americans. And I'm excited because the Indoor Soccer League It's a new league that started that has four teams, and it's the first league in the United States that will field a women's team and a men's team. I will be hosting the Coaches Show. It's going to be called Off the Walls, and it's going to air on Beam 7 and on their YouTube channel. So you can check it out, the rebroadcast of the show, the next day. Because tomorrow at El Carzarito Restaurant on Whittlesley Drive in Columbus, I will be hosting the Coaches Show at 7 o'clock. Looking forward to it. My main expertise is radio and doing podcasts. But this is going to be the first time that I'm going to be in front of the camera since the Up All Night Show. Where are you at, Brad Page? I could definitely use a co-host. The Columbus State Cougars will take on Clafton University today at 2 p.m. And the Lady Cougars are going to be taking on Anderson University. The next home game will be on the 20th, Monday, December 20th, against Augusta University at the Lumpkin Center. Women's basketball team will kick things off, followed by the men's team. The women are 5-3 and three on the season, and... The Columbus State Cougars men's basketball team is 7-1. So good luck to the Lady Cougars and Cougars. You can always listen to all the games on 88.5 as Scotty Miller does the play-by-play, does a great job. I listen to him on occasion when I can't make it out to the game. I try to get that radio signal. I was driving to a Russell County basketball game, and I was listening to the Columbus State game about a week ago, and he did a great job. I try to get involved with as many sports as possible in Columbus. We're at a great time. You know, The holiday's coming up. So this is what's on the starting lineup for this week. So I will have a show tomorrow. I'm going to start previewing the bowl games. I'm going to break down every single bowl game. You don't want to miss it. I'm going to talk about high school basketball. As Russell County does play Opelika, we do have some other games. I'm going to get into Smith Station, Central, Auburn, all the teams in East Alabama and all the teams in West Georgia to include Carver, Kendrick, Hardaway, Shaw, St. Ampicelli, Brookstone. They're all playing, so you don't want to miss it. Wednesday's show is going to be a full exclusive coverage of National Signing Day. I will break down all the top recruits in the country, and where they are going. And I will break down all the local schools. So that is going to be an exciting day covering National Signing Day. That's always one of my favorite days in sports. So in the National Basketball Association, Friday night, Atlanta Hawks had a big televised game against the Brooklyn Nets. The contest was very tight, but going into the fourth quarter, the Nets, who have the best closer in the game. Kevin Durant blocks Trey Young's shot. Trey Young did have 31 points, but Kevin Durant was better. 31 points, 12 of 22, and of course he had the big defensive play that fortified the win. Brooklyn is now 18 and 18 on the season. Brooklyn is now Brooklyn is now 19 and 18 on the season after beating the Pistons last night and the Atlanta Hawks are 13 and 13 
Hopefully they'll get some of their players back. They will take on the Houston Rockets tonight at State Farm Arena, and we are getting closer to that Christmas game. The Knicks have struggled. The Hawks have an easy two games, the Rockets and the Magic. Then they take on the Nuggets at home. They both have identical records. The Cavaliers are the most surprising team in the NBA, 16-12. and 12. Then the Hawks will come back and take on the Magic, and then they take on the 76ers before they play the Knicks on Christmas on Saturday. Remember, Wednesday's show, December 22nd, that's when I have my special guest, Rodney Pierre-Paul. We will talk everything NBA. He is a lifelong Hawks fan. We were talking up Hawks before they made this incredible run into the playoffs, and I can't wait for that. The NBA Showcase game, the primetime game, I watched it. It was on ABC Saturday night. The Golden State Warriors and the Philadelphia 76ers. And Steph Curry had an opportunity to break Ray Allen's three-point shot record, and he will have to wait another time to do it as the 76ers took control of this game and beat the Warriors 102-93. to He struggled. He shot 6-20 of and only had 18 points. Jordan Poole, a very big surprise for the Warriors, had 23 points, and Andrew Wiggins had 20 points. But the defensive effort from Matisse Thibel is something to be recognized because when he was all over Curry, Steph Curry was 0-4 from the three-point line, and he made it very difficult. Steph Curry's going to get his numbers, but Thibel was blocking not one, but two three-point shots from Steph Curry. So a very valiant effort from the 76ers, who right now, after beating the Hawks, after beating the Hornets, they've had some big games. They have won four out of their last five. They're currently 15-12 and 12 in the Eastern Conference, and the 76ers are starting to look like that team that made the playoff run. Anytime you have a healthy Joel Embiid, he's hard to stop. They also have Andre Drummond off the bench. They don't really need Ben Simmons. I'll be honest with you, they really don't need Ben Simmons. Uh, you know I love talking to the NBA because I get on the show and I give you the update on what the standings look like right now. Because with that loss by the Warriors, the Phoenix Suns take over first place in the Western Conference. Followed by the Utah Jazz, they have the third seed. Memphis is looking great. They are the fourth seed right now, overall 16-11 and 11 overall. The Clippers at 15-12, and 12, and then the Lakers are 15-13. and 13. Seems like the Lakers will weather the storm. They have an easy schedule as they defeated the Magic last night. And I feel the streak for the Sacramento Kings will continue. They will miss out on the postseason. They have not made the postseason since 2006. Oh, what a shame, because this team was great in the early 2000s. And I blame it on the ownership group when the Maloof brothers sold the team. And then when Sacramento was trying to move to Seattle to become the Supersonics, and then Vladi Divac took over as the GM, they were not the same team when they let Rick Adelman go. This team that had just the name, the greatest show on court, no longer existed. Even that 2006 team that had Sharif Abdul-Rahim and had Ron Artest, it just wasn't the same. When Eric Musselman took over as coach, they did get some good players like Tyreek Evans and DeMarcus Cousins, and recently De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton, but they sure have whiffed on some draft picks. They have been in the lottery for the past 15 years, and they whiffed on players like Jimmer Fredette and Thomas Robinson, and Ben McLemore, and Nick Stauskas. It is a joke, and I have every right to leave the fan base for the Sacramento Kings and go back to the Golden State Warriors, the team I grew up rooting for. 
I started rooting for the Kings when I moved to Sacramento in 1997 because that was the thing to do. They were the greatest show on court. They were making the playoffs. They almost won the title in 2002 if it wasn't for Tim Donaghy. So every now and then, I'll get on this show and I will rant about the Sacramento Kings and the failures they've had over the last 15 years. So I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year. That streak will still be intact. College basketball over the weekend was crazy. We had some upsets. We had Baylor beating Villanova 57-36. to We had Purdue holding on to beat NC State in overtime. Alabama got a big win over Houston. That's the second Final Four team that they have beaten. Alabama was a two seed last year in the tournament. Hopefully they get a good seed because they're ranked in the top 10. UCLA, no problem over Marquette. UCLA ranked fourth. Auburn gets a win over Nebraska, playing without their coach. Locally here in Georgia, LSU beats Georgia Tech to remain unbeaten. And Mercer got a big win over Georgia Southern. So Dan Lanning, the defensive coordinator for Georgia, has accepted the position to be the Oregon's next head coach. He's 35 years old. I like what Oregon's doing, going in the direction of getting the young a coach that's not really proven but has so much potential. They see the genius in that, like with the Rams when they got Sean McVay. Sometimes it works. It's the roll of the dice. Now he is going to coach Georgia in the college football playoff. But after that, Will Muschamp is going to have co-defensive coordinator duties. I say give the job to Will Muschamp full-time. He actually was a good defensive coordinator. He was an okay head coach. He had his moments in South Carolina. He had his moments in Florida. I felt like he was off and running when he was a defensive coordinator at the University of Texas because he was the coach in waiting because everybody thought Mac Brown was going to retire. But I think this would be Will Muschamp redemption shot to become the defensive coordinator at Georgia. Hopefully he gets it. But right now, he is sharing the duties. Some of the other coaching carousel moves is the former Texas A&M defensive coordinator, Mike Elko, has agreed to become Duke's head coach. We have Tony Elliott, the offensive coordinator for Virginia, that has taken over for Bronco Mendenhall, the longtime BYU coach and Virginia head coach. So I can understand the coaching carousel going on right now because of National Signing Day on Wednesday. So you got to get your coach in line because you got to make some visits. A shocking announcement, Brian Kelly has agreed to coach LSU in their bowl game. Well, Bryce Young wins the Heisman Trophy for Alabama. This is the first Alabama quarterback to win the Heisman Trophy. This has got to be an accomplishment by Nick Saban. Ever since he took over the program at Alabama in 2007, he has produced four Heisman Trophy winners. Mark Ingram in 2009, Derrick Henry in 2015, and recently Devonta Smith, the first wide receiver since Desmond Howard to win it in 2020, and now Bryce Young wins the Heisman Trophy for Alabama, and rightfully so, that game against Georgia He won the Heisman Trophy just alone in that game. And also, if you want to count the Iron Bowl, that long drive he had to tie the game to send it into overtime. All week, I'm going to be previewing these bowl games, so I'm looking forward to that Alabama-Cincinnati game, as well as the Georgia-Michigan game. I think that's going to be a very good game as well. People are asking me, do you think Michigan has a chance against Georgia? I'm like, absolutely. I think Michigan is a great football team. They could be a great Ohio State team. You know, their vertical passing game is is not Alabama's vertical passing game. They ground and pound. They have a very good defense. Aiden Hutchinson was a Heisman finalist. I think he finished second in the Heisman voting. Yeah, he finished second in the Heisman voting. Congratulations to NYCFC for bringing the city of New York its first championship since 
The New York Giants won it in 2011. And the Giants are from New Jersey. If you want to get technical, the New York Yankees in 2009. But NYCFC, who plays their soccer games in the Bronx, beat the Portland Timbers 4-2 on penalty kicks in the MLS Cup. And I know we don't talk about MLS that much on the show, unless it's Atlanta United. A good win for NYCFC. And the big question is, will they have a parade in downtown Manhattan? Because it is a championship for the city of New York. I know that a lot of New Yorkers, they talk about the Yankees and the Knicks. And those are the only teams that matter. The Giants and the Jets, they haven't been all that great this year. The Knicks have struggled. The Yankees did not meet their expectations by making it to the World Series. They lost to the Red Sox in the wild card game. So if you are a New York sports fan, Shouldn't you be happy that your Major League Soccer team won a championship? That's just my food for thought. I was ecstatic when Atlanta United won the MLS Cup in 2018. I was happy for the city of Atlanta that they're finally going to get a parade. I was looking back on my Facebook timeline. That parade was a decent-sized parade. No, it wasn't the Braves parade. That Braves parade was crazy because you had two different places, and there was estimated 2 million people at the parade, like all together, up in Cobb County and in downtown Atlanta. Atlanta United had a nice size there might have been 300,000 people there in downtown Atlanta it was a pretty decent sized parade for a major league soccer team because you also got to remember Atlanta United has a pretty good fan base so Auburn quarterback Bo Nix has entered the transfer portal all right not much of a new story but this transfer portal deal with all these college athletes starting to get out of hand I don't know what to think of this move Bonix did suffer the injury in his third year at Auburn. He suffered a season-ending injury. T.J. Finley took over the starting job. Actually played very well against Alabama. So where is Bonix going to go? There are several places. He could follow his old head coach, Gus Malzahn, at the University of Central Florida. He could go to Ole Miss. With Matt Corral leaving, Lane Kiffin needs a quarterback. He's still a good quarterback. Yeah, he made some mistakes, but he actually single-handedly won that game against LSU at Death Valley. And Bo Nix was known for beating Oregon in the opener when he was a freshman. He is a very talented quarterback. Of course, his dad coaches at Central High School in Phoenix City. His younger brother, Caleb Nix, was the starting quarterback at Central's team that went all the way to the state title game. And that's another thing. I'm really, really looking forward to National Signing Day on Wednesday. I'm going to have a special show. You do not want to miss it. I will break down the top recruits and where they're expected to go according to Rivals.com. It will show their verbal commitment. And once the top recruits sign, I will break that on the show. I will break down the state of Georgia and I will break down the state of Alabama. We're right on the border in the Chattahoochee Valley between East Alabama and West Georgia. So there are interests in both states so you don't want to miss that the national signing day show on wednesday i'm gonna have a busy christmas holiday normally the sportscasters that have their shows will take a holiday break i am not because i have some interviews i'm doing i also have other shows on other people's podcasts and i have the coaches show that's going to be on youtube dedicated to the columbus rapids this season boy i cannot wait for the season to start All right, the one thing I love about doing a podcast is that it is my podcast. I've been doing this podcast for almost two years now. I don't have a producer. I edit everything. I produce 
everything and I make sure that the podcast gets distributed. Some of the cool things about doing a podcast is when you have non-related sports stories, you could talk about anything that's going on. And I am so excited about that Netflix TV series, Cobra Kai. They released a second trailer. That series, season four, will start December 31st. It can't get here any sooner. As you know, I am an 80s slash 90s kid. You know, I was a smaller child in the 80s, but I grew up watching the Karate Kid. And yes, even though Karate Kid 3 was pretty bad, it was still watchable. I watched it because of the storyline. Well, Cobra Kai, they really do a great job bringing back old characters from the Karate Kid series and a little bit of nostalgia. You got the new generation of Cobra Kai and Miyagi-Do and then... Season four, the villain from the first Karate Kid, Johnny Lawrence, he, he's, he's been a good guy the entire series, but he teams up with Daniel LaRusso in season four, and they're, they don't get along all the time, but you know they want what's best for those kids. They, they see the best interest. Well, one of the most ruthless villains in the Karate Kid movies was a guy named Terry Silver. He had a ponytail, he was slick, he was a rich guy, he was under investigation for embezzling money or dumping toxic waste or he was he was like a millionaire billionaire he was a very rich guy that seemed like he owned cobra kai i'm not sure and he is back for season four and we don't know what type of villain he's gonna be but the anticipation you thought the anticipation from season two to season three was wild you just wait because I don't think they're done with the Cobra Kai series. I think they could go on for five, six, seven more seasons. I mean, people are interested. It's the most watched show on Netflix. And I know you got the Tiger King going on, and uh, that's that's kind of boring. Uh, I, I think people were watching the Tiger King back in March of 2020 because of the pandemic. They're, most states issued a stay-at-home order, and so they were watching that. Usually when you have a break from work and you're enjoying the holidays that's the perfect time to binge watch shows but I really don't have time to binge watch shows now that I am doing podcasts I'm doing sports shows I'm doing the PA announcing for Russell County and I'm doing the play-by-play for the Columbus Rapids the new indoor soccer team in Columbus so it is going to be a very busy Christmas holiday for me well that is all the time I have on the show I would like to thank all my listeners that has downloaded and subscribe to my podcast. Don't forget I'm back on the air on Tuesday. All right, well, everybody have a great day. I'll talk to you later. Bye. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdred. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been the Sports Beat with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.